This Irish man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when cancelled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. You're about to listen to a segment from the Freedom's Disciple podcast exclusive to The Blaze. If you like it, please subscribe for free on SoundCloud, iTunes or Google Play Music. And a new show is released every Saturday at noon Eastern. Or you can get more information if you go to www.freedomsdisciple.com. Now with that being said, it's story time. It is story time. This is something that I would really appreciate your honest feedback on. One of the things I want to try and do over the coming weeks and months is I want to try and create short stories to share with you. Because I don't know about you, I got really sick and tired of listening to politics talking and, you know, this is good, this is bad. I want to share stories with you. And this story I want to share with you It is based around a real-life event. You'll know it when you hear it. You'll probably know it in the first two paragraphs. But every character is fictional. But there's a reason for every word in here. There's principles principles behind it. And I'm going to try and share this. It's my first time. I'm not a natural writer, so please forgive that. But I would love your opinion on it, because I'm going to try and come up with these more and more, so that you hear them. So here we go. This is a fictional story based around the life of a man. And when the story is complete, I have some very serious questions I want to ask you in the next segment. So close your eyes and get ready for this story. The year is 1899. And America is on the road to becoming the nation we all know today. In Chicago, Illinois, a lady gives birth to her first child. And she calls him Abe. After the 16th President of the United States. His father was a local news reporter who covered both the Chicago Cubs and the White Sox. His mother was raised on a farm and loved staying at home. She was one of the best cooks in the neighborhood. And she used to love cooking and baking the most delicious crusty brown soda bread. And she had a heart of gold. And she would share it with some of the others in the community. She would also spend her days minding young Abe and later her two, his two younger sisters. But as young Abe was growing up, he was a boy like any other boy of the times. He was super adventurous, and he always loved playing outside. And I don't know about you, but he always had this knack of getting dirty. And one of his favorite times was climbing trees. 
To young Abe, there was no tree high enough. He would love to explore. However, young Abe's favourite time was when the whole family would gather together, when his father would not be out covering the White Sox or the Cubs. And they would all gather around, and they would play the piano and sing songs as a family. Like most young boys, young Abe had a very special bond with his father, and he truly idolised everything he did. And he was fascinated by his work, because there was times when his father would be gone for long hours, travelling to baseball games. When his father was home, each day would start the same way. Young Abe would run out of his bed, run out of his bedroom and into his parents' bedroom, jump on the bed, and with this hopeful, gleeful smile, would ask, Daddy, can I come to work with you today? And the answer was always the same. When you're a little older, son, I promise I'll bring you. Deep down, Abe had no idea what his father did, nor did he really care. He just loved the sense of adventure. He wanted to see the outside world. But maybe most importantly, he just wanted quality time with his father, with no girls around. Well, on a warm summer day in 1906, and a week before Abe's seventh birthday, he got the wish he always asked for. Today was going to be the day his life would change forever, but not in a way young Abe could understand. Today was the day a young boy became a man, as he got to join his dad and go to his dad's work. He travelled by horse and cart and saw streets he had never seen before, and went to a place called Westside Park, where he watched the Chicago Cubs play the New York Giants. All Abe knew about his father's job was that he wrote words. He had no idea what baseball was. As they approached Westside Park, he clenched his father's hand tightly, but still wanting to be a brave little boy. They both walked into this massive stadium and sat in the stand where some reporters sat. Abe's father sat and looked over some of the notes as Abe quietly sat beside him, his eyes glazing on everything. His eyes went from the stand, to the bases, to the fields, to the grass, to the sand, to the concession stand. Young Abe was seeing a world that was impossible for a young six-year-old boy to understand. Then the ground started filling, one by one, until ten became twenty and thirty and then into their hundreds. Young Abe was surrounded by more people in this stadium than he had ever met in his whole life. And he held his father's hand even tighter. And then the game started. He was enthralled by every second of the game. There was so much to watch. He was amazed at how quiet the stadium would get as the pitcher on the mound looked into the batter's box, looked for the catcher's sign, and then as he delivered the pitch. And he was even more enthralled by the sound of the baseball flying past the bat and hitting the catcher's mitt, that boom. But even how great that was, it was nothing compared to that distinct cracking sound the wooden bat made as it made contact with the letter of the baseball and flew into the outfield and all the cheers that followed. Yay, good hit, good hit, yay! He was amazed at absolutely everything that was happening, even though he did not understand 
anything that was going on. He just loved looking at something, the adventure, but most importantly, spending time with his father. But as great as the game was, there was something even better. Because around the 15, Abe as a young boy did as every young boy did. He got hungry. He got his father. He convinced him to bring him up to the concession stand. And he had what they called at the time a wiener on a bun. Young Abe smiled as he heard wiener on a bun. But we all know them as hot dogs today. When the game was over, this was easily the best day of his young life. It helped that the Cubbies won the game because his father was also a fan and a journalist. More importantly, the game of baseball had a new fan. That season was one of the best in the history as the Cubbies won 116 games, which is still a record that stands today. Young Abe was now a baseball fan, and each morning started out the exact same way. He would run, get up, he would run out of his bedroom, into his parents' bedroom, jump up on the bed, and under the covers, and ask his dad about the game the night before. Who won, dad? Who pitched? Who hit? And of course, he always said, when can I go back to watch another game with you? I want to go back to work with you, dad. For his seventh birthday, he was given a baseball, and it would never leave his hands. Abe was a young boy who, when he got outside, he was always pretending to be a pitcher. He would spend all his days pretending to stand on a mound, a mound for the cubbies, with his father cheering him on, going, Yes, Abe, you go get them. And of course, giving that death stare to the batman, and looking for the sign for the catcher. And when he got the sign, he would pretend to throw the ball. He would pretend to throw a fastball and strike out the batter. That year was very popular for baseball in Chicago, as the new competition called the World Series was between the Chicago Cubs and the Chicago White Sox, and he was yet again desperate to join his father. But it did not happen. Sadly, the Cubs lost that series. But young Abe had time. When the World Series was over, he was a fan. He loved spending time with his father, but he also loved the game of baseball. And he had a plan to come up with how he could see more baseball. It took a while, but he finally came up with a plan. He would go to his father's newspaper and ask for his own paper route. Each morning, young Abe would get up. He'd be the first to get up inside the house, and he would go deliver his papers before school. He was always extremely popular in the local neighbourhoods, because he was always easy to identify As he had his bag around his waist with all his newspapers to deliver, he still had his baseball in his hand. It was now messed up and heavily scuffed from all the throws against the concrete and the floor. He became friendly with an older older lady in the neighbourhood. She had no children or family of her own, but she had a love of baseball. And she loved wieners on a bun. So she decided to help young Abe as she got to know him. Each day as he would deliver the daily paper to her, she would give him the sports part of the paper from the day before to bring home. He would spend hours carefully reading each and every report about the night's baseball games. He would read about teams that had very funny names to young Abe. There was the Brooklyn Superbaz, the Pittsburgh Pirates, and of course the Boston Doves. 
but he enjoyed reading because it was also time to spend time with his mother. But he loved reading most about the Cubbies and about how many hits manager and first baseman Frank Chance had. Or how many innings pitches and how many strikeouts pitchers like Orwell Orwell or Mordecai Brown threw the night before. He always worked hard, he was reliable, he was never late, never missed a day, despite living in Chicago with some very cold weather. His payment always went to his father, but he saved enough money, and he brought his mother and his two younger sisters to a baseball game the next summer. He wanted to share his love with his family. Young Abe was as very fortunate as a young boy to attend that baseball game. But he was also more important to watch a very good Cubbies team. They went to the World Series again in both 1907 and 1908, and they won both. And he loved reading stories about their victories, but he never got to see them. There were papers worth saving during the cold winter. As baseball had ended, he would reminisce and remember of the stories of the last season. This was his life all the way through school. That was Abe's life all the way through school. Doing his paper out, learning and reading reports from the baseball game. And occasionally each year getting to go to a game with his mother and his two sisters. However, Abe's life would take another pivotal change on August 5th, 1921. He was a young 21-year-old who had finished school and was now working full-time in the newspaper his dad worked for. On that day, history was going to be made as he spent the night with his father listening to the first ever baseball game broadcast on radio. It was between the Pirates and the Phillies. This was going to change his world. He would now be able to listen to his team play live rather than have to wait till the day next day for the newspaper report to come in. However, radios were not cheap at the time, so of course he had to come up with another plan. Young Abe asked for additional shifts and overtime in the factory to save up for that radio. It was now 1925, and it was nearly 20 years since the Cubbies had last won the World Series. He loved the game and the team so much, as his father was desperate to create a memory of winning the World Series and for them to spend time with each other listening to them win the World Series. Yes, he had memories as a young boy when they won it in 1907 and 1908, but all those memories were based around the newspaper and his imagination. Radio changed that. He had those reports to this day, but he still wanted more. He wanted that bonding time with his father. He needed to experience it live for himself. As each year approached spring, hope sprang eternal. It was the start of baseball season. And each season started out the same way for each and every sports fan of each and every team. Because each team always believes they can win it all in spring training. Each season always has the hope that this year, this year is going to be our year. Each year he was convinced himself, his father and anyone who'd listen that this year was going to be the Cubbies year. And he was going to witness it with his father. However, that year never came. While the Cubbies did make the World Series in 1929, 1932, 1935 and 1938. They lost each one. And he deeply mourned the loss with his father. Little however did he know his life was about to change once again. 
because it was on August 26, 1939, that the Brooklyn Dodgers played the Cincinnati Reds in the first ever televised game. He, like so many others, looked on in awe before he had to read newspapers, then he had to listen to the radio. Now he was watching a little screen, a little five-inch screen, where the players were actually playing live. He didn't have to use his imagination anymore. He just had to sit back and watch. By 1947, Abe's life had changed an awful lot. Firstly, his father had sadly passed away, and he mourned that loss incredibly bad. Because he loved his father. They had that bond. They had that closeness that baseball brought them together. He longed for that moment of the Cubbies winning the World Series. But it never came. They also had lived through World War II. That was a very tough time. The mood of the country was down. They had just survived and won a bloody and tough war where their sons, their daughters, were halfway across the world. But by now, TV was commonplace. And TV and baseball helped ease the pain and suffering of the American people. It was a way of bringing entertainment and helping the American family return to life as normal. All Abe wanted to do was watch the Cubbies play. As he watched the first game in 1947... On his brand new 5 inch screen TV. He cried and he sobbed as he remembered his father. He wondered what his father would do if he were still alive. After all he thought. Who would want to read a report. Of a game the night before. On a newspaper. When everyone could watch TV for themselves. Heck he even wondered. Why would people buy newspapers at all. If you could just watch the news on the TV. Surely it would put them out of business. However, the biggest feeling he had as he watched that first game of the season was as amazing. That young box and his own two kids were now sitting on the floor playing with each other and half watching the Cubbies. He was in a position to be his father and to share his love like of the Cubbies like his father shared with him. However, the game became so much more easier to follow. All the opportunities they would have would be incredible. He remembered his life growing up, where he would have to read old newspaper reports or listen on the radio. Now his young kids, his two young boys, sat on a floor, didn't have to use imagination, and just watched a great game. He saw all these advancements in a period of 40 years, and he sat back and wondered, I wonder what the next 40 will bring. The image of young Abe sitting on the sofa with his cubbies jersey with his kids was a common theme that year. His kids had so much more knowledge about the game than he had when he was growing up because they now had stats. They also had player cards. Who hit how many home runs last year? How many strikeouts did you have? How many innings did you pitch? It was accurate to say, like so many other fathers do, he was living through his he was living life through his kids' eyes. He was now desperate to create that memory with his own kids, where the kid, Cubbies would win the World Series. Each and every year started the same way. Spring would roll around, and hope would be eternal. And they'd get, all get excited as he'd tell his young kids, this year, this year, kids, is the year the Cubbies win it all. 
But as summer turned to fall, the story would always remain the same. The cubbies would fall short. The years now turned into decades, and Abe now had grandkids to convert. It was now 1984. Abe was 85 years old, and he was dying. He had been a fan of the Cubbies for nearly 80 years. He shared memories with his father, then with his kids, and now with his grandkids. But he was still a young boy deep inside. That adventurous young Abe was still present. And he was desperate to create that memory of seeing the Cubbies win the World Series. During that year, he knew he was sick. Something just wasn't right. And he spent so much time reminiscing and talking about history with his grandkids. And explaining to them how much he had seen in his 85 years. He would share stories with his grandkids of how he had to cut out paper from the sports section. And keep it all winter and to use them as stories to reminisce when there was no baseball. They had everything now as grandkids from games on a regular basis to watching on TV to jerseys to baseball games on computer. He had also witnessed so much firsthand of so many trials for his America, the country he loved. He lived through two world wars. He saw and witnessed Pearl Harbor. He saw Vietnam and how America achieved the feat from the jaws of victory. He survived the Great Depression and he was also left speechless by the hippie and the free love movement of the 60s. He saw a man walk on the moon on his TV and to his dying day he could remember exactly where he was when Kennedy was shot. He saw and marveled at the individual genius of his fellow man as we all made so many advancements in technology. Everything from the Model T and the production line, to aeroplanes with the Wright brothers, to traffic lights, the jukebox, ATMs, deodorant, the microwave, teleprompters, video games and personal computers. But he also marveled at the advancements he made in the food department. You see, when he was a young boy, we had wieners in a bun. But now, food had advanced as well. We now had cheeseburgers, chocolate chip cookies, corn dogs, and his personal favourite, soft serve ice cream. As he would remember and share all these stories of everything he had witnessed, he often made a joke. I've seen all these wonderful advancements in my lifetime, but yet I'll never get to see the Cubbies win a World Series. But 1984 was different. That year they actually made the playoffs, and there was hope. And he had that vision of having those memories with his kids and grandkids. But they lost three games to two against the Padres. After Abe's death, his kids continued the legacy of being Cubs fans and had the same luck as Abe had. Each spring would turn around into spring training, would be filled with optimism and hope and dreaming of that Cubs World Series win. But each time it ended the same way. Heartbreak loss and despair. This, of course, was until 2016, as that was the year the Cubs finally overcame the curse and fulfilled a lifelong family dream. They defeated the Indians four games to three, and the 108-year curse and wait was over. However, as the Cubs won the World Series that night, 
Abe's kids, now old men themselves, sat back and reminisced of how different the game was. Abe's family was a perfect example. All he had was newspapers and the radio and the TV. His family watching the World Series in 2016 was so much different. Because you see, Abe's young son had a promise between the two of them. That Abe and his son would listen to the Cubbies whenever they won the World Series. And Abe's son travelled to his grave that night of Game 7. And he listened on a transistor radio. One of his younger kids, his great-grandkids, he stayed up late to watch the game on TV. Others watched on their iPads, this new little small screen on a computer device. And others, because they were working in, at college, they kept up to get date with the game and the scores on the internet and this thing called social media. However, that whole family came together, regardless of their location, regardless of how they watched the game or to celebrate they celebrated with 5 million people for a parade to say the Cubbies won the World Series. That is a story I created for you. There is a meaning behind every word. And I want to finish up today's show asking you some questions. As you are at the weekend and you're chilling out and relaxing and maybe really hopeful or really negative about America, about some questions as I share that story with you. What do you think would have happened had the 2016 Cubs team felt like the battle was over and that they could never overcome it? Do you think they would have won if they'd given up at the start? How do you think their fans would have reacted? Because if they knew their players weren't trying, do you think they'd go to the games? Do you think they'd be emotionally invested? If everyone's saying, it's over, we can't do it, it's too much to overcome, it's over, it's pointless. Do you think it would be acceptable for a team to act that way? And now the most important question of all. I'm sure some of you, if not all of you, said that would not be acceptable. Why is it okay for all of us to give up on America at its time of need? But it's not okay for a baseball player to give up on a baseball team. After all, it's only a baseball game. If we give up on a baseball game or a baseball team, does anyone get hurt? Anyone live or die? Does tyranny advance and liberty dies? This is the choice we face right now. I'm not giving up. I'm more passionate about the future than I've been in a long time. And I cannot wait to share that passion with you in the weeks and months ahead. Lastly, I'll ask you just to think of one thing. When I read that story to you, it was all fictional. The characters, there is no Abe, there was no 1899. But everything else was true. The advancements, the dates, the times, the games. Look at how much you've advanced since 1899. That's only 117 years ago. Look at all the advancements. Look at all the opportunities that became. And now just think, how much advancements are we going to make in the next 10 years? In the next 20 years? In the next 50 years? Even in the next 100? How much different will our world be? 
And what opportunities will they present? And when you think about all the future that comes and all the opportunities it presents, are you really telling me, despite all that, you can't see any positives? Do you really think that in all those advancements, there is no hope? That there isn't a chance that we turn this tide and bring back freedom and bring back liberty and the individual? Thomas Paine once said, we have it in our power to begin the world again. Well, one of the reasons I'm so excited for the future is that technology, because that will help that come true. Now is the time to get involved. Now is not the time to, to sit down and give up and to lay down your sword and your seal and say it's over. Now is the time to start speaking out. Now is the time to do anything you can to get involved. Whether you're a writer, whether you're a podcaster, whether you're on radio, whether you do video blogs, whether you work behind the scenes as a producer on social media, whether it's whatever it is, whether you just do Facebook Live videos yourself, now is the time to start speaking out. And now is the time that we link arms together and truly make America exceptional again. But we also must remember one thing. It took 117 years for all those changes to happen. It might take 108 years or 117 years for our change to happen. But hey, just like that baseball story, we might not be the ones to see us win that battle and this mission. But if we do our job and we share our loves and our passions with our kids... We might be the, they might be the ones to see it. Abe wanted to see the Cubbies win the World Series. He didn't. We might not. But if we share that love with our kids, there, we can live through their eyes in eternity. That is a story. It's my first one. I would love your feedback on it. I'm going to try and do these a lot more going forward. It is something I am passionate about to try and share principles and values, but in a story format. That is the end of today's show, America. I hope it has given you some hope, and I hope you enjoyed everything I said, even if you disagreed with it, but I hope you enjoyed that story. I finish this show the way I finish every show, by saluting the real heroes in society. The police, the firefighters, the emergency personnel, and your vets. And lastly, I salute you, the great American people. America is great because Americans are good. If you want to join me on this mission and you believe that America is great because Americans are good, please consider sharing this podcast with your friends and your family. Please get them in touch. It's free and it's available anytime on SoundCloud or iTunes. Until next week, America, God bless you and God bless America. You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.